0: A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanirajim Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin Sayyidina wa sannadina wa habibina wa shafi'ina wa maulana wa sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Kitabu alhamdulillahi ta'ala wa shukrihi Babu fadli alhamdulillahi ta'ala wa shukrihi Qala Allahu ta'ala Fadhkuruni adhkurkum wa shkuruli wa la وَقَالَ تعالى لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ وَقَالَ تعالى قُلْ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ وَقَالَ تعالى وَآخِرُ دَعْوَاهُمُ أن الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ So we today begin uh, the book of Hamd, uh, the praise of Allah Ta'ala and of his shukur, of his gratitude. So this is now describing virtues of the heart and these are civilizational values they transcend again what madhab a person follows or uh, what political uh, alignment a person has and these are those things I feel like they're missing from a lot of people's way of approaching Islam especially as us living as minorities. So he'll say a number of like seemingly very perfunctory and simple things, but uh, they, are, they are important, and they do show us, or they lay bare when we think about them, uh, what the kind of catastrophic and devastating loss that we have endured uh, as a civilization. Uh, we can blame them. We say that those losses are endured at the hands of others, but really at the end of the day, much of it is just something that we endure uh, as a self-inflicted wound. But we'll continue in... Talk about that in a little bit more depth soon. So this is a chapter about the fadl, uh, the, the virtue of the praise of Allah Most High and His, and gratitude for Him. Allah Most High says in His book, So remember me, and I will remember you. And show gratitude toward me, and do not be ungrateful. Literally, means do not be ungrateful and then as a majaz, as a uh, a secondary metaphorical meaning it means don't disbelieve the idea that disbelief is uh, itself the superlative ingratitude to the Lord and Allah Ta'ala said, uh, and if you are grateful I will give you an increase and Allah Ta'ala says and say praises to Allah Uh, and Allah Ta'ala says uh, Regarding the speech of the people uh, in paradise That uh, the last thing that they can say after all is said and done and they're given and given and given Until they're happy again all of the things a person loses for the sake of Allah ta'ala because they're a Muslim because they're this They're downtrodden. They're oppressed somebody else got the job somebody else got the house somebody else got the loan, you know all sorts of things people go through like uh, um, All sorts of uh, difficulties and embarrassments and humiliations and all of these things that a person goes through a person wonders how is it that they'll be recompensed for all of these things and Allah Ta'ala that day will come that your Lord will give you so much give you so much that you'll be pleased You'll say yes it was worth it all of it was worth it Um, all the silly things I just read an article the other day about black family want to sell their house and so the appraiser like, gave them an appraisal something like a million dollars or something like in that magnitude less than what the house was worth. And so they basically whitewashed the house, took down all of the like, African, African-American related paraphernalia, family pictures, et cetera, and called another appraiser. And they gave the valu- they valued the house at what it was worth. And they had this huge you know, lawsuit about it. And the thing is, even you win a lawsuit like that, it's completely demoralizing. Because a person wonders how many times has this been happening to me, to me in my life, and so person, people think about that about their Islam as well. A person wonders how many times did you get uh, uh, turned over for a job or for an interview at school or for you know, something that you needed that you could have gotten ahead with or whatever, and you know why do I have to carry this burden or whatever? Allah Taala will give a person so much one day, and that their last thing, the only thing they have left to say is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. That all praises to Allah, the Lord of the world. When Abi Hurata Rodi anhu and Alayhi bihi bi Min wa lebna. jibril fitrati. achatal ummatuka. Muslim. So here's a, uh, an interesting an interesting uh, uh, hadith narrated by Muslim, uh, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala who said that the Prophet sallallahu the night that he was taken on the Isra, the night journey to Al-Quds al-Sharif and then after that the Mi'raj um, into uh, uh, the heavens to see the Ahwal of the Hereafter. He was brought two bowls to drink from. Uh, one was wine and the other was milk. Obviously it's Jannah, Sayyidina Jibreelah salam, serving it to you. Then the halal haram issue is not an issue anymore. The Qur'an itself describes that Jannah is going to have wine in it that has a quality that it doesn't make you drunk. Uh, but still, wine is a very processed uh, material. It's not something natural, and so, um, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he drank from the leban from the milk uh, instead of from the the gadah, the uh, the bowl that has the wine in it. And so, Jibril sallam, he praised Allah Taala. Uh, so the istidlala in terms of the of the bab is what is it? Jibril is the one saying Alhamdulillah. So that this, the, the, the saying of Alhamdulillah, praise be, praise be to Allah Ta'ala, is from the adab of the angels, of the malaika. It's, a, it's a, one of the superior akhlaq uh, of, of the creation of Allah Ta'ala, and in particular it's transcendent above uh, animality of human nature. So he said Alhamdulillah, he praised Allah Ta'ala, um, that he said Alhamdulillah who guided you to the fitrah, to the aboriginal state, to be like a normal normal human being. Rather than, uh, you know, than, than somebody whose a, a human nature has been perverted or, or destroyed. Alhamdulillah who guided you to the fitrah. If you had taken the wine, your ummah would have been, like if this was your disposition, was away from the fitrah and toward refined enjoyment, uh, this would have, uh, your ummah would have gone astray after having received guidance, right? Say is what? Is to go astray after having had guidance there's a lot here in the hadith other than just the 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 wajh that was it was brought for which is to show that saying alhamdulillah is a good thing praising allah is a good thing Uh, i think in the time that we live now we have to also the first thing is understand The second thing is to teach, and in order to teach, you have to actually be able to articulate what it is you're trying to say and what it is that you're trying to mean, which I feel like we lack a lot of. Uh, We lack the ability to articulate what it is that we're trying to say, Uh, and so we say things in very crude ways amongst like small gatherings or in Sunday school or in like gatherings where we see that there's no non-Muslim looking or whatever. We have to articulate things in a, a way that's a little bit better than that, a little bit more refined than that, and by a little I mean a lot um but the idea is this is that the preservation of the fitra is something that's no longer looked up to people do anti-fitri anti uh, uh uh natural types of things to the point where now we literally live in a society where people think there's no connection between a person's biological gender and what their real gender is that it's a question that people ask um, why is it that, you know, a man can marry a woman, but he can't marry another man? This is genuinely people have this, uh, you know, this question. Really, like, maybe at some point it was some schoolball activist or whatever, but like, no, normal people genuinely they have this uh, question to the point where even if they listen to this recording, it's, oh, this guy's a bigot. That's it, done, right? Um, and it's something heartfelt from from inside of them. It's what? It's a perversion of the fitra, or at any rate, the idea of the fitra has been kind of so shot. That you have these things going around people think it's a, a good idea you have like a triple now they're saying triple surrogate mother or triple surrogate child where there's a sperm donor and there's the uh a a a, a separate donor for the egg and a separate donor for the um the the, the cellular the, the genes so the, the the mitochondria and everything will be from a third a second woman basically and that will be the egg and all the machinery inside the egg but the genes will come from a, a separate woman uh, Who is not able to produce eggs, or perhaps it will come—the the, the second uh, uh, set of genes will come from a man, or God knows what. This is all going to morph into like weirder and weirder, freakier, freakier, creepier and creepier types of situations. We've gone so far from the fitra. This is a, you know—this is one of the issues. For example, why zina is haram? Why? Because if zina if zina is proliferated. And you have children that are born not knowing who their fathers are. That itself is going to have a, an impact on the child. Developmentally, the child is going to be put at a disadvantage compared to other children. Again, this doesn't say that the children of Zina are like bad people. We hate them, or we stigmatize them, or anything like that. The point is, why would you hobble? You know, why would you hobble somebody for no reason? That person is going to be around for a long time, and the end of time is described as a place in which there, the the there's going to be large masses of the children of Zina and they're going to be filled with anger and rage. They're going to be filled with resentment. Literally, it's what we see now. People are not resilient at all. Their emotion is so delicate about everything. If you think that's about the thing they're discussing, it's not about the thing they're discussing. People are complaining about woke culture and stuff like that. Like I personally, someone just today told me, they're like, oh, look, woke culture, they just cancel everybody, shut everything down. I said, I don't care. What does that mean to me? Why do i have a problem with it if i'm the one running the system then it's a bad thing and if i have no part in the system what does it bother me if somebody else rips the system down right so that's just politics that's not that's people's politics they're fighting their politics against each other that's not the part that bothers me all that much what bothers me the lack of ability to reason through things the lack of ability to understand things being so fragile emotionally That like the slightest thing sets a person off the rails. That's not an intellectual problem. That's what, that's a problem that's much deeper, that the fitra has been perverted. You have to understand the fitra, for example, rational thinking is part of the fitra as well. The idea that you throw a rock at somebody, even if you don't speak their language, you throw a rock at somebody, they will intuitively blame you and not blame the rock. That's part of the fitra. You know these are things that are intuitive you can either hone that ability and reason through like really big and complex problems or you can water it down to the point where the person might say like well does the rock really exist do you really exist do i really you know like you can do that these things are you know, they're things that happen the brain there's no reason that everything in the brain has to work a particular way or not even people who are crazy it's not that they're, ira- they're anti-rational people it's just that there's one part of the process that breaks down the rest of it is still rational uh, and so this, uh, you know, this thing about the, 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 the fitrah, like straying away from the fitrah, the idea of like taking ridiculous types of vacations, taking ridiculous types of, you know, like the idea of eating ridiculous things, drinking ridiculous things that are completely like, horrible and bad for you. And then afterward, when you're trying to compensate ridiculously expensive things that are supposed to like somehow correct, uh, uh, you know, what it is that, you know, that you screwed up about your health. Like all these kind of weird, there's like a hundred different trajectories where this uh, perversion uh, will uh, go to, and all of them they end in stupidity. Whereas a human being, like how how hard is it to raise a human being? Literally, you come with all the genetic information you need from the beginning to the end. Illiterate people used to raise great kids. Uneducated people used to raise great kids. You know, technologically backwards people still raise wonderful children. It happened. I mean, literally, it doesn't take a lot. I asked once a neonatal surgeon. I asked a doctor, I said, what's your specialty? He said, I'm a neonatal surgeon. I said, that must be really scary, you know? You have to, like, do surgery on, like, premature babies. Some of them are so small, like, you know, like, they're smaller than your hand. He said, actually, it's not. He goes, he goes actually, it's not. He goes, the really scary thing is doing surgery on old people. Because everything is, is, like, dying, shutting down, going out of business. He goes, you fix one thing, the next day, there's going to be 20 other problems, even if it gets fixed. And that's itself a long shot. Whereas with the baby, the baby's meant to live, like it fixes itself. like there are small things. if you, if you uh, uh, address them sometimes, you'll be surprised how quickly the, the, the child developmentally will get back on on some sort of like healthy track. People, you don't have to do a lot with them. But if you keep doing weird sideways types of things, if the way you exercise is messed up if the way you eat and drink is messed up if the way you buy and sell things is messed up all of it is excessive uh, uh and none of it makes any sense it's like taking one medicine because of the previous medicine you're taking or taking five medicines to address the harm from the previous all of these types of things not preventing problems not thinking about what is actually causing problems but um, trying to force solutions on top of solutions in some sort of like infinite regress obviously you're going to have, you're going to have issues. Obviously you're going to have issues. This is one of the things, that's a very long rant that should be had more often in my opinion. And you're welcome to discuss it and agree with or disagree with it. But this is one of the fun things I see about our own, uh, our own Muslim community. And this, I was alluding to it from before, which is what we don't think about things in terms of the frame, uh, or the lens of revelation we frame our own issues based on other people's framings so now you literally will see Muslims by the thousands in person, in their own media, and their own social media accounts being a Republican Muslim or Democrat Muslim even though this has nothing to do with Islam, conservative, liberal this muslim is really in favor of ukraine and this muslim is really in favor of russia it's not your war why do you get i mean it's good to have fine have opinion it's not your war why are you defining yourself to these things it's really none of your concern why i mean i get that a person would care about another human being i'm not saying that like why are you so emotionally invested in these things the reason is the answer is that we don't have anything of our own to like think about and look at things through Uh, And so, you know, when it comes to American culture wars, maybe somebody will say, ah, this is great. I've been saying this for years, right? The abortion debate and, you know, gay marriage and all this kind of American standard stock set of culture, culture war issues. See, Sheikh agrees with me. He agrees with me. That's why we should ally with the Catholic Church. No. They're the ones who did this in the first place. The popes that sit in the Vatican... The bishops, the cardinals, the, the priests, they're the ones who got us in this place. This is all literally gay marriage. All these things are a direct outgrowth of their philosophy that they fostered over centuries. And if they wanted to reverse it to this day, they could reverse it. But what does it mean? They have to accept the fact that men and women cannot walk around outside naked. They have to accept the fact that there are far more exceptions to freedom of speech than they want to think about in the first place. They have to accept a number of things which will end up making them what, end up making them what, end up making them a Muslim and we're never going to accept that. Not totally, right? But concessions that basically pull people in, in line with Islam, people are, you know, they're not going to take that. So they'd rather be like, okay, you know what, just this one thing, don't try to think outside of this box. Uh, this is just the one thing that we're thinking about in time. No, let's think about outside of the box. You want to talk about stuff, you want to be open minded, let's think about things in a holistic sense instead of just looking at like one you know one or two pigeonholed issues otherwise our whole life mashallah our whole life our whole life anyone who's my age we've all we've been hearing is that the world is going to die because there's too many people and then all of a sudden all of a sudden like just last year all of a sudden like no developed nation has enough population to sustain and their economies are going to collapse now one has to wonder right who's the people there are still people in the world by the way that are you know their populations are stable and growing right why is it that like there were always some people whose populations were stable and growing and this is not their problem but all of a sudden now it's become a problem it's what it's because of our own failure to imagine what our problems are much less what our solutions are to discuss them within some sort of native framework rather than uh, having to litigate our problems by like living vicariously through other people Uh, and so that's that's an issue uh, وعنه uh, رضي الله تعالى عنه قا, uh, 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 عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال كل امر ذي لا يبدا فيه بالحمد, بالحمد لله فهو حديث حسن رواه ابو داود And so this is another another hadith which kind of brings up or airs this uh, um frustration that i have about our, this is, this, is, this is a loss, like this is a loss for our civilization. This is a loss for our civilization. Things that we think are losses, we can get over them. Losing a war, people win wars and battles, lose wars and battles all the time. The collapse of a state, you know, one state comes, one state goes. Nothing was meant to last forever in this world. But this is an actual loss. That the Rasul ﷺ said that every important matter, every important affair, anything that has any value or worth, that doesn't begin with the Hamd of Allah Ta'ala. And there's another riwayah which mentions Bismillah. A similar riwayah. I'm not going to say it's the same, the same hadith. I'm not 100% sure, but there's a riwayah of similar wording. Maybe another, a separate utterance of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That every matter of importance that doesn't begin with the Hamd of Allah Ta'ala, with the praise of Allah Ta'ala, fahu Akta means what? For the listeners at home, I pulled my hand in the sleeve. You know, to mimic somebody who's like amputated, they have their hand amputated. What does aqta' mean? It means like it's a person and it's there, but there's, the barakah isn't there. Like the person is going to have hard time, harder time doing what they're going to do. Ableist propaganda or a metaphor? I'll let you guys decide. But the point is, is what? The point is, is that this sense that people have brought into their hearts that... You are the ummah kuntum ummatin nas You're the ones who are supposed to start your talk in front of an auditorium full of kafirs with alhamdulillah. This is why the way Abdullah, This is why the khutbah in Juma starts with Alhamdulillah. Right? It's the first word, right? The first expression at least. That you're supposed to start in front of in front of Kafirs, you're supposed to start your speech with Alhamdulillah. So that they can also ask, well, who is Allah, what is Allah, who is this Prophet wasallam? But we're like 100% in like taqiyah mode, right? That's has to do with da'wah. Da'wah is its own kind of like issue that should be talked about, but we don't have time to talk about it right now. But that's not even the main issue. What's the main issue here? Is that the Messenger of Allah mentioned wasallam that anything that doesn't start with the praise of Allah Taala not just one It shouldn't just be lip service. Hachikatan. A person praises the Lord before they start doing anything. What is it? It's 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 cut off. It's cut off. It's barakah, It's like amputated. Uh, these these things are our losses. We don't talk, we don't talk this way with one another. We don't talk this way to each other. We don't uh, you know have meetings this way. If somebody does this like a little bit too sincerely, because this guy is like you know being impractical now, let's talk practical business, let's talk practical business, it's okay. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says it's aqta'a, you know the people who don't say alhamdulillah before they start stuff, the people who don't say bismillah before they start stuff, they've been running the ummah for about a hundred years or so now, how's it been going? Has it been going, like when you look at it compared to the rest of the history of the ummah, you tell me, you know, you decide, maybe I'm biased because I have like a medieval education and I dress like I'm an extra from Star Wars or whatever. وأن ابي موسى الاشعري رضي الله تعالى عنه ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال اذا مات ولد العبد قال الله تعالى لملائكته قَبِّتُمْ ولد عبدي يقولون نعم فيقولون نعم يقول قَبِّتُمْ ثمره فؤاده فيقولون نعم فيقول فماذا قال عبدي فيقولون حمدك واسترجع فيقول الله تعالى ابنُ لي عبدِ بيتاً في الجنةِ والسموه بيتَ الحمدِ رواه الترمذي وقال حديثٌ حسنٌ Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ashari radiya ta'ala anhu It's narrated from him that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said When the child of the slave dies Allah Most High says to his angels Did you take uh, the child of my slave? Uh, and then they say yes And he then says, did you take the fruit of his heart? They said, and then they say, yes. And then he says, Jalla wa what did my say? Uh, afterward, what did my slave say? So the angels, they say, he praised you. And uh, he said that verily we belong to Allah ta'ala and verily to him shall we return. And so Allah most high says, build for my slave a house in Jannah and call it that, Baytul Hamd, the, the house of praise. This is a, a beautiful hadith. Uh, this is from the types of madad, the many types of madad that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to this ummah that he didn't have to give. Uh, and these are from those things that a person's ma'rifah of Allah ta'ala, their gnosis of the Lord, is built. Life is rough. Life is hard. You know, Anyone tells you it's going to be okay, obviously it doesn't really know how life goes, doesn't read the newspaper, um, life is difficult, and all sorts of weird things will happen and it seems actually they happen to pious people and they happen to impious people, seems to maybe that they happen to pious people a little more sometimes than other people, but at any rate we can't detect anything like statistically, just stuff happens to people and there are a lot of people who do everything right they uh, lose weight feel great exercise get cardio resistance training low cholesterol low blood sugar no high fructose corn syrup study hard get good grades get into a good college work a job you know model citizen make sure to vote Uh, everything that a person tells you that you have to do in order to be a good person whether they be muslim or uh, non-muslim whether they be religious or irreligious whatever whoever whatever it is and still it doesn't pan out and there are many people uh, on the other hand uh, that actually make really poor choices with their life and they still seem to be enjoying themselves and uh, this life is like that the life is like that it's like the ocean it's like filled with like all kinds of different things it all from one from one from from, from one uh, vantage point it looks like the water it's all the same but it's filled with all kinds of weird things you go to different sides you'll find all kind of weird and different things in it and uh, um, what a person needs to hold on to in order to get through that and get to where their uh, um, destination is, is that a person needs to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and needs to be traveling toward Allah ta'ala, whatever path that they go through from those very different paths and those very different sets of circumstances. So there's an adab of how to be happy. There's an adab of how to be sad. There's an adab of how to be wealthy. There's an adab of how to be broke. There's an adab of how to be pious. There's an adab of how to be a sinner. Most people have lost that. The drunks in the Muslim world are very pious drunks. It doesn't mean drinking... Uh, stop, look, Sufis, look at these guys. Busted, right? He's saying pious drunks. Right? So drinking is still haram, right? But there's an adab of like how to be a, a, a drunkard. If you want to learn, go, go, go see the drunkards in the Muslim world. There are many people, they won't drink until after Isha, because so they don't miss their prayers. And you will never catch them, even in their drunkenness, you'll never catch them uttering blasphemy. They may say a lot of other stupid things and smell horrible, but you will not catch, catch them uttering blasphemy. They'll still make an effort to make it to Jama'at. They'll still make an effort to make it to the Eid prayer. They still, you know, okay, you're an alcoholic, but it doesn't mean that Allah and His Messenger, Sallallahu don't ex- exist. And they also have this understanding inside of their heart that Allah Ta'ala for him to like forgive every sin. It's not a big deal. Like he's, it doesn't bother him. They have this like, that's how, how you do that, right? You mitigate uh, uh, and you uh, uh, reduce as much as you can. And you handle, you cope with it. Everyone has a path of like what they're, you know, they have a, an ethic that gives them an idea of what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to get through this path. So this hadith is describes one of the most horrible things that could happen to a person, which is what their child dies. We have children, mashallah, ourselves, mashallah. How horrible! Allah protect them all. They're gonna think it's corny, but it would like be very devastating to me, to me if anything happened to them. Forget about like losing them, like even if anything small happened to them, right? But look at this this hadith that it's gonna happen. Allah is Allah. Right? He's the one, he's, he's the one, فَدَمْدَ مَعَلَيْهِمْ بِذَنْبِهِمْ فَسَّوَعَهَا فَلَا يَخَافُوا عَقُبَاهَا He, he completely trashed, he trashed Thamud, 100%. And then afterward, فَلَا يَخَافُوا عَقُبَاهَا And he doesn't, there's nobody who he has to be afraid of, if someone's going to come and like get revenge from him, you know, someone's going to hit him back or whatever. No, it's, it's over, it's done, that's it. Uh, and that's, that's who Allah Ta'ala is in terms of being, uh, you know, from his names, we know this being uh, the Muntaqim, the one who takes vengeance in the Qahar and, uh, uh, you know, be, being the one who's like overwhelming over, you know, he's, he's the one who has, his torment is severe. These names are mentioned in the Quran and people taste the manifestations of, of, of these attributes of the Lord in this world. And there's no way around them, and there's no way away from them either. Uh, the only thing that we can do is what? We can understand is that the Rasul ﷺ gave us this consolation, and he gave us this kind of small piece of information that will help us get through this, which is what? As long as you're a person of iman, that's not what's happening to you. This is not spite. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is not this is not spite. Because people so oftentimes ask, they're like, how can I tell if, uh, you know, Allah Ta'ala, might, you know, I'm going through hardship and it's a sign that Allah Ta'ala hates me or if it's a sign that I'm just being tested or if it's a sign that he's increasing my rank. First of all, from an Usuli point of view, we should have people that come and say, look, I just made like a hundred million dollars how do we know Allah is not testing me, or this is not Allah ta'a, a sign that he hates me? That, you know, But we don't really have many people come and ask these questions, actually. I'm sure it exists, but it's not really a whole lot of people. That's an interesting observation about human nature. It's neither here nor there. So let's go back to the original question. The answer to the question is, Bayit, look, I'm the scariest Molana Saab that there is in this neighborhood. Literally, I've had several people tell me that they show their children pictures of me and threaten them. That if you don't <laughs> read your maktab lesson or do your sabak for hifs or your murajah, I'm going to call him and tell him, and he's going to be very angry. And the kids, apparently, they're like, oh, dang, we better do this thing right now, right? I don't know why. I feel like I'm personally a very lovable person. But <laughs> I've been told on numerous occasions that this is actually a thing. However, even I will tell you what, even I will tell you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the idea that a person is even asking this question, already rules out the possibility that this is some sort of like trap to set you up. It is an obligation for a person never to feel aman from the makar of Allah ta'ala. Never to feel like I'm so set that I can never fall into the trap of my own nafs and Allah Ta'ala sets me up and gets me. However, the fact that that even comes up in your mind to worry about means that you fear Allah Ta'ala. The fact that a person is even asking means that you fear Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Rasulullah Wasallam said in a hadith, of, a hadith Qudsi that Allah Ta'ala says, That I am as my slave thinks of me, so let him think of me whatever he wishes. So if you're going to be, you know, have this kind of like rabbinic level torment burden that you carry with you that somehow God's out to get me or whatever. Or maybe he is. I don't know. Why would you think that? But if you understand who Allah Ta'ala is, you understand that like, you know, we're like, we're too insignificant to make his to-do list. Like, it's not like that. Like, you and me are not going to be like, oh, look, I have, Allah has beef with me. Like, you're not that important. Really, we're not that important. The whole idea is what? is that from the beginning you should know already that the fact that you have iman, the fact that you think about this, the fact that you you know it hurts you inside that you would just dis- disappoint Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that makes you feel like not a good person this is this is a sign that this is not like you're not you know being punished for something in that sense right the worst that's happening you did a sin and you're receiving some sort of reminder that you should probably not go down that path because it's not good for you or whatever and my Ustadji Mawlana Hassan, he used to say this, he said that the worst is what? In the first moment of a person's torment and calamity, all of the expiation, the kafara for, for the sin is gone in that moment. And all, after that, all of it is just reward. That's the worst. And most people are not even at that, at that place. That's the worst case scenario. The person, you remember Allah, as soon as you remember, that's it. You've, you've fulfilled like whatever it is that you were going to be punished for. for. And because look, if Allah Ta really wanted to punish a person, like he can like make it hurt real bad. A'udhu <inaudible> billah, Allah Ta protect all of us. You know what I mean? Like he can make it hurt really bad. The things that we go through are, are mostly just of our own like imagination of how bad they are. What do I mean by that? I taught maktab a, a, a number of times. This is one of the reasons I have fun arguing with people on the internet or whatever, right? <laughs> I'm like, go teach maktab for five years and then come talk to me about your ideas about Islam. So one of the things that I I, I uh, learned from Maktab is what, after Maktab is done, I'd have the kids like come in a line and I'd pat them on the head, and say you're a good kid. It surprised me how much the kids really needed that, like how they really coveted that, like they needed to get their pat on the head. You know, if it was a Maktab where like the girls were like above the age of like eight or something like that, I'd have my childer in my hand and I'd pat on top of the and say why are you doing this? This is the Adab of Islam. Don't let any man who's, like, other than your father or your brother or whatever, like, touch you like that. This is the sign of respect that we show in Islam. Uh, and that's it. And all the kids would get a pat on the head of your good kid. It surprised me how much they needed that. And the flip side is what? What is the, 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 the worst punishment the kid could get in Mecca? I'd tell them to roll up their, their uh, show, uh, expose their forearm, and i take two fingers and hit like that. Now, how hard can you hit somebody like that? Like really, if you wind up, how hard can you hit somebody like that? Not that, come on, man, not that hard. I just started lifting weights like in the last three years, man. I'm not gonna hit that hard. It's not, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. So you hit them, you hit them, you hit them with two fingers. Not that hard. But they would weep, and then like I'd be like, oh my god, like what is wrong? Like calm down. It's not that big of a deal. Like it was just two fingers. Like you know, like why you, cr- and 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 after talking to the kids like when they would like stop crying they're just sad that they disappointed you and what you interpreted as like rebellion or disrespect or disorderly behavior from them is just like they're like neurologically undeveloped mind unable to like pay attention long enough or whatever but it's not like they actually wanted to they wanted to you know be out of line or what or something now imagine if a maktab kid can have that much ihtiram and love for Movies. I was teaching them Alif Ba Ta A'i'u Ba Bibu Ta'ti'tu Ta'ti'tu tu. Right? Imagine that, right? What is, these are all archetypes inside of our heart Because nobody's seen Allah Ta'ala before in that sense, right? A dog will respect his master not in the way the master does but in the way that the dog does These are our archetypes that we have respect for Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala Based on these things that we understand or think about as respect that if it occurs to a person, they feel bad inside, that like, you know, I let Allah Ta'ala down, He deserves something better than this from me. What is that a sign of? It's a good sign. Sign you're not on the path, like the, all of the, the descriptions in the Quran, all the descriptions in the Athar about uh, Allah niqmah, His spite for people. That's not about you, right? You're not like Fir'aun with ana rabbukum ala and all this other like nonsense. You're not. That's not who you are. You're standing in front of the Kaaba and taking an oath by Allah and Uzza wal billah uh, 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 that you're, you know, that you, that's not that's not what's going on here, right? The problem is what? Nobody's explained this is how you traverse this path before. So people, when they have that bad feeling inside, instead of understanding this is actually a good thing, it's a sign we're on the right path and this is what we have to do. Instead of having like a reformed ethic and understanding when this happens, this is what you're going to do, how you're going to deal with it, how you're going to get through it. What is it? I feel bad. I don't, feel, you know, I don't feel good. So I'm going to talk to my, like, kafir therapist and then like Again, I'm not against getting therapy. I really am not. I've seen it do wonders for people at times. A bad therapist, I'm against that. But if you have a good therapist, alhamdulillah, mashallah, I've seen it do wonders for people. But I'm saying somebody who, this is talking about civilizational failure, right? That somebody somebody who neither knows who Allah is nor his Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they're going to obviously deal with this another way. This is going to deal with the same thing as they deal with any other mental illness. But this is not a mental illness. This is the haqq. Tell me, you know, like, which other 1,400-year-olds, multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-linguistic civilization did another, you know, did schizophrenia build or, like, bipolar disease build or... It's not a mental illness. That's the point of saying any of that, not to stigmatize people with those illnesses, right? Right? It's not... This is my proof that it's not, it's not what it is. This even. This seemingly most catastrophic of things, you have to understand this is a necessity if life is going to be a test... This is a necessity. Bad things are going to happen to good people. Bad things not in a moral sense, because Allah Ta'ala is the one who judges what's good or bad. Bad things are going to happen to good people. This is one of the worst things that could happen to a person, almost without exception. And in that time, the person who makes the hamd of Allah Ta'ala and istirja inna lillahi inna ilayhi they say that we belong to Allah Ta'ala and to Him will return look at what the what the outcome of it is it's something beautiful again it does it's not like saying alhamdulillah and saying inna lillahi wa inna lillahi rajun makes these things happen this is allah ta'ala's father that he made this system but the person who's like too embarrassed to say alhamdulillah when speaking in front of his own muslim brothers his own muslim her own muslim sisters in the gathering of Muslims. Do you think at the time that Sadma is going to hit them in the face and they're going to be like, they're going to feel like completely numb to the world, that they're going to have the Tawfiq to say it? Maybe, probably not. Probably not. It'll be harder to say it at that time because you're like, my kid died. Allah protect all of us and all of our children. Uh, so this is, you know, this is like, there's, there's a lot there's a lot here. There's a lot here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the baitul hamd also without taking our children away from us as well. But if He takes them, insha'Allah, everyone's going to go one day, right? Who knows who's the first one who's, who's going to go, who's going to be the, the the one who catches up afterward. And as long as people pass with iman, that's what, what makes this, this entire thing happen. وَعَنْ أَنَسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهِ عَنْهُ قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ ليرضى عَنِ الْعَبْدِ يحمده, يحمده Anas Yahmadahu Malik عنه, who narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, says said Indeed Allah Ta'ala is pleased with the slave that eats uh, um, an eating, like eats one time and praises him, or drinks one time and uh, praises him uh, uh, for it as well. And this is, you know, obviously, mashallah, Ramadan is coming soon, which is going to be the month of fasting. And so the timing is interesting. But you can do both, right? Fast. And then when you eat afterward, you can also say, alhamdulillah, this is one of the ranks of the ulama actually mentioned that the person who can, you know, there are some of the mashallah that said the rank of the person who can remember to say, bismillah when they start and alhamdulillah when they're done, when they eat. That, that some of the ulama, not most of them, but some of them said that their rank is higher than the, the rank of the person who's fasting. Why? Because so many people, they eat and drink all the time, and they just don't remember. They don't remember. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us tawfeeq. Sallallahu ta'ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa